questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. As a multidimensional time traveler, Dunat's guest has experienced the past, the present, and the future. From ancient Egypt and Atlantis to our possible pre and post apocalyptic future, he has been a witness to our unrecorded history. Tonight, you will learn who we are and how mainstream archaeologists, scientists, and historians have been swept up in a fabricated storyline. Our world isn't what we think it is, it's a world once fought and protected by otherworldly and dimensional beings. An ascension process is taking place on our planet today that is awakening our consciousness to peer beyond the veils of our known reality. We are once again remembering our place in the universe as multidimensional beings who are having a physical experience on planet Earth. Greetings. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas at VeritasRadio.com. Tonight's special guest is Jason Quitt. Since an early age, Jason has been awakened to things that are outside the normal range of perception of just the physical world. He has had many out-of-body experiences and has encountered ghosts, aliens, and other dimensional beings. He has been taken out on out-of-body time travel journeys and has remembered many of his past lives. In 2015, Jason started to work on publishing his story and information with the late Bob Mitchell, Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler and almost instantly went international, being translated into German, Chinese, and Japanese. Jason was also one of the guest personalities featured in the 2015 UFO documentary, The Resonance. Jason has also worked as the creative director for Tesla magazine. And he joins us today directly from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Hello, Jason, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me on the show. My pleasure. And by the way, your website is thecrystalsun.com. And I have to ask you, I just finished reading the book today, and it's it just covers so many areas. So let's start from the beginning. Being reborn. You say you incarnated on Earth and got to choose and view your parents. Let's start from there. Sure. I always thought that um, that was a pretty normal thing. Um, it's the earliest memory I have and it was just etched into me growing up. And uh, basically, um, I remember um, a time before birth. And this time, um, it was almost like I was with other children. And um, we got to actually view our parents. And what happens was, um, it's almost like I came through this portal. Everything was dark and black. And suddenly I come out of this portal and I'm crawling as a baby and I'm going down these hallways with other children who are also crawling on the floor. And it was, and it was almost like we were being directed by, um, women that, you know, I could only describe as, uh, uh they look like airline stewardess. <laughs> and, um, one of them, um, motioned to me and said, uh, come with me down this hallway. And so I was crawling down this hallway and there was all these little doors down this hallway. And she said to me, it's now time for you to choose your parents. And she opened one of these doors for me and it was a very small door and I crawled through it. And it was almost like I entered this room that looked like um, a giant movie theater. And in front of me, this portal opened up and it was this round uh, white portal in a dark black room. And through that portal, I could see uh, images. Um, and basically, I got to view uh, moments in my uh, parents' life um, before I was born. And I remember just sitting in that room watching them and feeling very excited and happy that I was being born again to this family. I was very happy uh, to be with them. And then the next thing I knew, I felt myself being pulled through this portal, and then I was born. So that's the first memory I have coming into this world. And, you know, even as a very small child, I would often tell my mother, um, 
you know, aren't you happy that I chose you to be my parents? And, you know, they thought that it was a cute thing uh, a little kid would say, but um, I was saying it because of that memory I always had with me. Very, very interesting. And if you go back in time, looking at that image of your parents, so they were actually the parents that you have today. That's right. Now you say an anxious, well, we'll, we'll dissect what happened after that. Did you start displaying abilities uh, that your parents questioned as a young child? Well, um, when I was a child, my abilities were mostly um, at nighttime. So there's something that happens where uh, I think it's the energy that changes when the sun goes down. It's a different energy and a switch inside of me just gets turned on. And it's almost like it opens me up to the spirit world as I'm going to sleep. And I would have uh, past life memories come to me as a child and I would be visited by, I would call them ghosts um, or entities or things would come uh, into my room at night and I, you know, I'd have visions or I'd be taken on journeys or I'd have an outer body experience. And when I would tell my parents what was going on with me, um, they would just calm me down and tell me that it's just nightmares that it's perfectly normal and everybody does that. Um, so I just assume that what was happening to me was completely normal. Now, I guess we're fast forwarding now. May, we may go back to, to earlier times, but I'm curious. You say that an unsuccessful attempt was made on your life in May 2015 after you publicly revealed secret information about what you knew. Can you tell us what that is and you know, what you know that put your life in danger? Well, at the time, I didn't really think it was um, such a big deal. Uh, I thought people knew about this stuff. Um, uh, basically, I was invited to a, a conference. It was a Canadian uh, Society of Dowsers conference. And I did a presentation on um, Tesla in Egypt, um, the ancient power systems. And in the presentation, I basically went over, um, you know, how Tesla's information is actually very old knowledge that came from Atlantis and Egypt and from the stars. And, you know, I talked about um, the ancient Earth grids and how um, you could power the Earth with uh, the pyramid systems and terraforming the planets and, you know, moving the orbits of the planets using pyramid structures and this is all, you know, what Tesla started to, to figure out. And as I was giving this presentation, which I thought was, I think pe I thought people knew about this stuff. Um, but um, right after I gave this talk, I started to get this uh, marking on my arm. And I've never had this before. It was, um, it looked like I just received... Um, a hundred mosquito bites on my left arm. Just, <sighs> it's just very strange. It was just like a hundred mosquito bites. Like little burns? Um, they were more painful than mosquito bites. I can't describe them. I've never seen anything like this before. I've never felt anything like this before, but it was extremely painful. And, you know, you couldn't itch them or scratch them or um, anything. You just had to leave them alone. And I was just, I couldn't understand what this was. And my wife, who is uh, very uh, gifted and psychic, uh, right after I gave the talk, um, she was very upset with me. She said, why did you talk about that? Why did you say those things? She said, when you started talking about that, I saw all these uh, astral beings come into the room and they basically were putting stuff inside of you when you were talking and there was nothing that you could do to stop it. And I said, okay, that's, uh, that's very strange. Um, you didn't share with her what you were going to be discussing that day? Uh, no, I didn't even tell her. I just you know, worked on it a couple days before the conference and then just presented it. And um, basically what started happening was these hives or these – whatever this was, it started to spread. So every single day it went – over my entire body until 
basically my whole body was covered in these. It was like a million mosquito bites. It was extremely painful. And it sucked the life right out of me. Um, every, my whole body started to swell up. And even my eyes started to close. Like I couldn't see through my eyes. Um, and I went to basically every specialist I could find, um, you know, even to the hospital. And um, anyways, they took my blood, they took samples, um, they studied me, and they said this is just, uh, it's like an unexplained thing. They couldn't find anything wrong with me. My blood tests were absolutely perfect. Um, I wasn't fighting any infection. I wasn't having any allergic reaction. Uh, in fact, all my tests showed that I was perfectly normal, but um, I, I couldn't do anything. I was basically lying in bed dying for about a month. I couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything. Um, and I tried working on myself and I tried calling many healers for help, but uh, nothing worked uh, until one t one night I called um, a teacher of mine who's an Algonquin shaman up here in Golden Lake, um, Ontario. And he did a ceremony with me. And the day after he did that ceremony, I started to get better. And what happened was, is my skin just started to, it basically came off. My, my whole body, my skin came off. And I, it was like there was new skin underneath. It was like, like a snake? Almost, yeah, like a snake. Well, I, I look, first of all, I look like a zombie. <laughs> I, I really, it, I had open wounds and I, I trust me, not a pretty sight. And, um, but after that, it just scabbed off and all my skin came off and I had like new skin underneath. And when I spoke to the shaman, he said that, uh, basically, um, it's a good thing I called him when I did because I didn't have many days left on this planet if I didn't call him because, um, there was an astral, uh, attempt on my life. Uh, and he started to tell me about these, uh, astral assassins and sorcery and, you know, how it's connected to past lives. So that happened to me, and it wasn't pretty. And it's not the first time I went down a road like that. Um, but the, the thing was that I have this whole life. I have all these stories of who I am, and I kept them to myself. And I really didn't want to be open or share uh, my life story with people because I thought it would be way too weird or unbelievable. But when I was like laying in bed sick, um, basically close to death, I thought no one's going to know what I know or what I've learned in this life. And if I get better, I'm going to write about this stuff. And about a month later after this happened, I went to a UFO conference in Brantford, Ontario. And this is where I met um, an, a famous author by the name of Bob Mitchell. And I didn't know who he was at first, and he came to one of my talks, and at the end of the talk, he came right up to me and he said, hey, I really liked your information and your story. Um, how would you feel about writing a book with me? And I said, you know, this is perfect synchronicity. This is exactly what I thought of. I, I made the decision, I'm going to write my story, and then the next thing I know, I have an author standing in front of me saying he's going to help me write this story. <laughs> So it was like everything was in this perfect divine timing. It's funny because later I'll tell you one of the synchronicities that I found reading your book, you mentioned Tesla, it has to do with Tesla. But what do you know about humanity that most people do not? And I know that's a very open-ended question. I would say that humanity is basically dumbed down to a level of unconsciousness. And they're basically um, stuck in the sarcophagus, which is their body. Their body has become their sarcophagus. So they're, we're basically the walking dead on planet Earth. Um, humanity has a very long lineage um, through time and space dimensions. Um, we have lin lineages to other star systems. And we've worked with many beings throughout time. Uh, the problem is 
where we are now in history, we've almost completely forgotten about who we are, what we're capable of, and what our birthright is. And because of this, um, we're very easily controlled and manipulated and almost kept as a uh, economic slave species. So through my awakening process and through the information that I've, I've been uh, given, um, it's really shown me that we are far more special than we think we, we're far more special than we give ourselves credit for. And each one of us has the potential to awaken. It just has to do with um, the paths we take in life. Going back to these astral beings that may have had something to do with the attempt on your life, while you were discussing Tesla and his findings about ancient Egypt and perhaps a global energetic grid, just to cite an example, this is not only this could not only collapse our energy industry on this third dimension, but if astral beings perhaps coming from other dimensions, could this indicate, Jason, that perhaps this third dimension is being ruled? managed, whatever you want to call it, fill in the blanks, by other dimensions? I think so. I think there is a, a timeline um, for information to come out. And um, they're basically managing um, what comes out or what energy can manifest in this world at a given time. So you have people that, you know, may have access to information um, that is that the world is not ready for. And if you try to bring that information out, it's almost like uh, you're breaking the law. You know, that's not supposed to happen yet. <laughs> you can't bring that in the, to the world yet. And I know that um, there's been free energy technology on this planet for about 100 years or more. Right. And it seems like you know, I've heard stories from people and inventors where um, they'll create free energy technology and they'll put that into the patent office and they won't hear anything for months. And then they get a knock on the door by the military saying, we have the patent to this technology and it's on need to know basis. So you're not getting the patent. And if you bring this out, you're either going to jail or we're suing you for this amount of money. National security. Yeah. So, you know, there's, I mean, we are energy, the world is energy, uh, we have the abundance of energy, we just don't have um, the knowledge or we've been, or the knowledge has been taken away from us on how to tap that energy. Um, and it's just, a, it's just a way of keeping the control structure in place, that's all it is. Not only do you remember, and by the way, I'm going to be asking you questions left and right because I wrote a lot of notes. So bear with me if the question preceding the other one or preceding it may not be linked to the previous one. So I don't want to cut, catch you off guard. Not only do you remember your childhood, but you also recall a time from another plane of existence before you were physically born in your current life. So where was this other plane of existence? I, I would say there's... A multiple plane of existence and it's just your awareness of each level and what I'm aware of currently is that as I'm living here right now as Jason um, my essence or consciousness fields are living different existences on other planets and other dimensions so you know there are planes between I would say uh, death and birth which I remember an experience and um, usually when you go through uh, past life memories, sometimes they're at the end of life. So I'll go through a past life memory and I'll die in that life and then I'll enter this kind of void, this space. Um, it's just basically, um, it's almost like water or darkness. And then suddenly I hear myself crying as a baby. So it's like there's this kind of like transition from life to death um, that I've experienced. And then there's uh, times where um, it's almost like when you die, 
or your consciousness leaves the body, it actually will merge with other um, consciousness fields that you are. So if you're living on, let's say, another planet or another dimension, you can actually go and fuse and start living there as well. Why would these beings, again, you see them jumping around, why would these beings allow you to to display or or explain the connection between Tesla and ancient Egypt and the possibility of creating this energetic grid that could power the planet and give us all free energy? Why would they allow it if they knew the repercussions that this would have? Why would they allow... Right. Why didn't they warn you before? Oh, I... I, my personal opinion is that there was somebody in the room that was connected to these beings. That's what, you know, the conclusion I've come to. So, you know, if that person wasn't there, then I probably wouldn't have had that type of uh, slap in the face. Um, but maybe everything is in order and I was supposed to do that. I was supposed to get slapped because that slapped... Um, motivated me to work with Bob and write that this story. And that's opened up a, a huge other um, avenue and journey in my life. Why is it that whenever you go to a conference, and I don't mean to, to discredit conferences out there because there are great conference organizers there, but there's always somebody or multiple people in the audience that create havoc. I remember in 2010, the group I was with at a conference, they all, they got pneumonia. I almost died from something happened to my heart. A few days later, somebody shook my hand and I really felt the last ounce of energy coming out of my body when I shook that person's hand. It always happens at, at these conferences that have something to do with secrets that we're not allowed to share with the world. Yeah, see, before I got into the UFO world, I was doing consciousness and healing conferences. Um, and then when I came to the um, alien expos, uh, there was a huge difference in energy. And I remember when I first got up to do my introduction speech at the beginning of the conference, there was literally a being standing next to me on stage um, trying to get inside my body. And it was very painful. And, you know, I could feel this because I'm sensitive to these things. But, you know, I probably looked like a crazy person on stage where I kept stopping and looking to my left and trying <laughs> right. to, like, push this, invis this invisible thing away from me. And I find that, um, especially in the alien or UFO conferences, is that, you know, there's a lot of fear involved. And they may be talking about, let's say, a species of, of alien, and they don't realize that when they're talking about them, they're coming into the room to listen. When did your astral experiences begin? And, and tell us about them. Um, they started um, in my early childhood um, when I would leave my body and I would travel with this ghost um, and they would show me their uh, life and that they were dead. Uh, but my real astral traveling uh, began in my early 20s, around uh, 22 years old. And that uh, started with sleep paralysis. And uh, sleep paralysis is not a fun thing. Uh, you basically uh, wake up in the middle of the night and your body is completely paralyzed. And you're basically inside your body. You're totally awake and you're screaming to wake up. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before. I have twice. Okay, so you know it's not fun. Um, but the strangest thing about um, sleep paralysis is that when it happens often, you get the feeling that you're almost like this Russian doll. You know, it's like you're inside another body. And you can actually move around. So it's almost like you're a body within a body. And one night I just, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I, I felt this presence in my room. And I felt this presence almost every single time I went into sleep paralysis. And what really freaked me out was that 
the, when these beings would enter the room, sometimes they would even sit on the corner of my bed. And I would actually feel the bed go down in indentation. <laughs> like, uh, With like physical a weight? Yeah, like physical weight. The bed would actually go down. I couldn't see them with my eyes, but I would feel them sit on the end of the bed. Um, I don't know if this was in an astral state of, or an in-between state of consciousness, um, but I could definitely feel that. And, uh, you know, your mind goes to fear automatically and you start thinking, you know, is this an alien abduction? Is this demonic uh, presence? Um, I didn't really know. But one night I just couldn't take it anymore. And I started to shake myself uh, very violently to wake myself up. And um, I shook so hard that something like shattered inside of me. And I popped out of my body. And I could view myself outside my body. I can see myself floating above my body. And I could see myself laying on the bed. And at the foot of my bed, there was a very tall being just standing there. And this being uh, was probably about seven to eight feet tall. And it just looked like this very dark humanoid shadow, almost like a, a grim reaper type of uh, being. And once I saw this thing and I knew I was out of my body and I knew this wasn't a dream, um, it just scared me so much that I got sucked back in my body and I woke up with uh, my heart pounding and I was out of breath. But ever since that experience, uh, it was almost like something got unlocked inside of me and I could leave my body at nighttime if I really wanted to. Um, so that's what I started doing. I started to put myself to sleep at night and I started to keep my mind conscious. And when my body was asleep, I could then shake myself out and start to learn about this new world that was open to me. You know, it's interesting because I'm remembering the late Dr. Rowney Kilday. I don't know if you know who she was. She was the former chief medical doctor for Finland, but she spoke about mind control. And she mm -hmm. spoke about a lot of subjects that the powers that want to be don't want you to discuss. And many attempts in her life, at one point, she was reading a book and she felt more or less what you were saying, almost like pinpricks or mosquitoes. And she saw her glasses almost like smoke coming out of them, almost as if it was like a very thin laser being pointed at her. I guess they wanted to give her a stroke. Uh, eventually, she was given cancer and she died very, very quickly. I... And I have her book here that we're still planning to publish and so on. But some of the things you're discussing, the astral travel, she would she would tell me when we spoke on the phone, all right, see you at night, see you uh, uh, out of the body or astral travel, very similar to, to your story. Now, you also have visions, and this is something that happens to a lot of people who have been abducted or people who have experiences like you, a common occurrence, an apoc apocalyptic future. What did you see? What was presented to you and how? Okay, so when I first started to leave my body, um, I started to get visitations by a being that I could not see. Um, if you remember the movie Predator, you know when they put the invisible cloak on? Yes. And you, can, you can kind of see them, but you can see through them. Right? Right. Uh, that's what it was like. So I can see this outline of this being, it wasn't very tall. It was maybe about four feet tall and, and humanoid looking. Um, and I can see the outline of it. And what it would do is it would literally, um, pop me out of my body, uh, take me and shoot me up into outer space. And when we would get into outer space, they would direct me to a point on the planet and then shoot me back down to that point. And when I would get there, um, it wasn't an environment I recognized. Um, so I thought that, you know, I was jumping timelines and this is where this whole astral timeline or astral traveler, time traveler, uh, comes from. And basically what the first thing they showed me was the sky was, um, very red. 
It was like a very dark red. It was almost like the sky was burnt. And the earth uh, was burnt as well. Uh, the, the, um, the soil, the trees, everything was burnt. Um, so it was a very desolate environment, uh, the first thing they showed me. And then what they did was they took my consciousness and brought it down through the ground into a, uh, I, would, I would call it like a man-made bunker, just like a personal bunker somebody made. And there was someone inside there, and they were dying. So whatever had happened on the surface, this bunker did not protect this person. So um, once I viewed that, um, I was shot back up into outer space and then shot back down into my body. Now, this happened uh, multiple times to me in the exact same uh, sequence of events, but each time it was a different scenario. So the next time they shot me down, um, I was put in, I would say, a prison camp, and this prison camp uh, held um, children. So it wasn't a very friendly scene that I got to witness. And the reason um, I thought that it was the future was that there was military there with tanks and uh, weaponry, and they looked it looked very modern, like something uh, either now or in our future. So that's where I placed it that, okay, this is not World War II, this is not World War I, this is a, a future conflict. And it was always in the United States, by the way. Was it our own military that you saw? Oh, yes. Yeah, it was the own, it was a United States military. So it was not a, a foreign aggressor coming here? No, I didn't see that. I just saw um, local um, soldiers. And so I don't, I didn't know what happened, but every time I went back to these future events, the sky was always the same. So that was the one thing that kind of linked all these events together is that when I looked up into the sky, the sky was uh, this very um, dark reddish burnt sky. And um, on another one of these journeys, I saw um, a... I would say a nuclear explosion. And then on another event, I heard this. Um, I went, but it was completely darkness. So I couldn't have any visuals, but there was an explosion and it was so loud that when I came back from this, I thought I would be deaf. Um, so after these apocalyptic scenarios that I was shown, um, I basically uh, decided that uh, this wasn't for me. You know, I don't want <laughs> uh, to be this guy that gets to see these future atrocities because it's uh, it's very traumatic. It's very hard to go through this. It, you know, not only go through these journeys um, out of body, it's very difficult, but to actually get dropped off in an environment and, and witness things that, you know, nobody should witness. Um, I really didn't like that. Unless there was a purpose, like many other people who have been abducted, or in your case, astral travel, what was the purpose of showing these visions? I, th I really think that um, seeing these horrible things is a great motivator. And uh, from a personal level, they motivated me to change my life, um, start living differently, and open up and talk about it to people because, you know, our world is not a safe place um, at this time in history. And it's, it's almost like they keep us on an edge that, um, you know, if we just take one step the wrong direction, this planet could be over. Um, so we're really living on a time when we're living on the edge and I think that there are multidimensional beings or future selves um, that are coming back here and showing us that um, look at the roads that humanity can take. It's a very real possibility that these futures can exist. Um, so we're going to show you your, what's going to happen. And maybe through changing certain people or getting that information out to the public, those timelines can actually change into something else. These visions you were having, you were shooting up and then coming down and seeing 
what seems to be a different world. Do you think you were seeing, you were time traveling and seeing a future? Or were you probably visiting a different timeline that was occurring at the same time? As you and I are talking right now, there are other timelines out there that are experiencing a different outcome. What do you think it was? Actually, that's that's exactly what I first thought. And usually when uh, the first thing that pops in your mind is usually the right thing. Um, so when I first went over there, um, the first thing I thought of was um, this is already occurring. So this is already happening. So it was almost like they're showing um, different timelines. So I was jumping timelines to an earth that was already going through this apocalyptic event. And maybe they're, you know, showing us that, you know, even though it's happening in this timeline, this could possibly happen here as well. I sometimes wonder, Jason, if we are a laboratory here, a prison planet or a prison plane, for those of you who believe in the flat earth, and that there are other puddles like us somewhere else. And basically, whoever God was or is the creator watches what happens over those domes or firmaments and are taken to those places and seeing, look, this is what would happen to you if you do what they're doing over there. If you keep doing what you're doing here, this is what's happening here. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I, I really believe that. And there's another thing that has come to my mind that uh, basically we're all time travelers. Once we leave our bodies, there's no such thing as time or space. So we can jump in forward or backwards and incarnate uh, in whatever time period we want. And what I've been thinking of um, for many years is that a lot of us have already lived in this time and have already been through, I would say, um, a destruction. So what we do is because we've already lived through it and know what's happened, we come back in time, get reborn and make different decisions or get new information out. And we alter things very um, gently to sway things in different directions. And that makes sense. Now, you obviously got tired of so many horrible visions. Did you ask the beings to stop showing you these visions? I did. I really did. I, I got to a point where I was afraid to go to sleep because I thought if I go to sleep, I'm going to be taken into the future, um, which is kind of a strange thing to tell a psychiatrist. <laughs> did they tell you why they were showing these? No, they, they didn't even talk to me. There was no conversations. There was no communication whatsoever. It was just uh, get pulled out, get dropped off, get picked up, get put back in my body. No explanation, just experience. See, and the problem with people who experience what you experienced, and I know a lot of our listeners, they've written to me with their stories. When you started, in your case, receiving messages about our food, water, EMF, aliens, and, and astral beings, did you know who to talk to about this? Well, it, it started to happen um, right after high school. And I have a very close uh, knit group of friends. And basically, we'd hang out every single day with, you know, a group of like five to 10 people. And so when it started to happen to me, who am I going to talk to, right? So I started to share some of these things I was learning from the other side to my friends. And you can just see the look on their faces changing. They start looking at you differently. And I kind of felt um, almost like alienated where when I started to talk, they don't want to hear it because it's just so outside their um, comfort zone. So I really didn't have anybody to talk to. And these events just kept happening and happening. And I, I really looked like there was something wrong with me because I was keeping this all bottled up inside. And, you know, one night I went over to my father's house and he's just looking at me and he's like, Jay, what's wrong with you? Like, I, I know there's something not right. And it just burst out of me and I started to tell my father what's happening to me. You know, I just couldn't control it. It was just too much inside. And he just kind of looked at me and he said, okay, 
you know, thank you for telling me. And then a week later, I went to visit him again, and I went to uh, go on his computer to check my emails. And I saw that he bookmarked like 20 sites on uh, what to do when you have schizophrenia. Huh. <laughs> and at that point, I knew um, that I couldn't really open up um, to anybody because that's the first thing they think of. And then for a couple months later, all my father was trying to do was to get me to uh, see a psychiatrist. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Or so. And luckily, I was over the age of 18, so, you know, I can say no. <laughs> I don't want to go to that. And, you know, it's very strange because I went and talked to um, supposed religious figures. Like, I went to go talk to a rabbi. I went to go talk to a priest. Like, it just just to talk to see if they would have any information for me of what's happening. And it shocked me that both of them, they looked at me with such blank faces and I knew they had no idea what I was talking about or how to answer me the, um, what I was saying to them. Did the priest offer exorcism? Oh yeah. But well, both of them just said, you know, well, here's the Bible. Just read it. That, that's both of their solutions. The the rabbi and the priest both handed me a Bible and said, there's your solution. <laughs> and Wait. you know what? The solution's probably in there, but, you know, it wasn't the, the time of my life that I could do that. Yeah, try to read 66 books to find your answer. Now, right. when when you were receiving these messages telepathically or dreams, did you receive any of these messages? And this may sound ridiculous, folks, but on your phone. Yes. Um, now, I still don't know if it was just a prank my friends pulled on me. Because no one's come forward. And that is a possibility that my friends are just messing with my mind. Because that's the kind of friends I have. <laughs> oh, this may be... Well, this is what you received. It could have been your friends. Who knows? Quote, we are watching you and listening to you. You better stop talking about us. There will be consequences. You know, that's what, what happened, right? Yeah, I got a text message like that. And there was more to that. That's just kind of a summary of, of what was given to me. Um, but the strangest thing was, is that this was right in the beginning of cell phones when I got this. Like I had that um, that flip phone with the, you know, the, the text messages on it. It was like the first year of text messaging. So you had to press the numbers every time you needed a letter. That's right. Yeah, so that's how, that's when I got this text message. And the thing that really bothered me and really messed with my mind was that when someone texts you, it shows you the number that it came from. Right. This didn't have a number. It had five symbols. And I've never seen those symbols on a phone. That, that makes it more interesting. That, right. That's what messed with. First, I thought, okay, this is my friends messing with me. But it was those symbols that were like, how did they do that? I had no idea how that was done. Unless your friends were all nerds, hackers, geeks. <laughs> right. And they weren't. So, I don't know. We'll wait for someone to come forward, but it's been quite a while since that's happened. Now, let's move forward. Who is Thoth, and why is this entity important in your story? And is this is it the same Egyptian god Thoth? Yes, and um, what's very interesting about this is that I had zero interest into Egypt. I, I had zero interest. I had zero knowledge. And then suddenly, I'm getting visited by this being— and it, it just, the being just looked like an old man. When I saw him, when he took me back in time to Egypt, it just looked like an old man. You know, nothing really special. And this being uh, called himself Toth. And um, he would take me at night back in time to Egypt. And we would go through temples together. Um, he would take me into different ceremonies um, we'd even walk the streets of Egypt, um, you know, and he would just talk to me or pray with me or um, just I followed him. So I had no idea about Egypt or these gods 
But when I was there with him, it's almost like when I saw the presence of, for example, Osiris, when I saw Osiris, right when I looked at him, my mind said, this is Osiris. So it's almost like I, it was either the memories were, were placed inside of me or I was just remembering um, another part of myself. So Toth basically um, would teach me and initiate me. That was his job. Um, and it was very, very powerful to be with him. Um, anytime he spoke or prayed, it felt like um, his words were inside your body. It was very, very strange. Like you can feel your cells vibrating to the tone of his voice. Um, so they were very profound experiences when um, I was taken back with him to Egypt. Interesting that you mentioned the resonance and the sound because some speculate that that's how they moved these incredible pieces of stone that built the pyramid using sound to live, to levitate them. Did you learn any of that with them? Um, not with sound, but I do know that sound is basically um, the language of creation. And if you look at cymatics, where they put a frequency into water or sound, you'll see that each frequency has a corresponding geometry to it. Mm -hmm. And that is basically um, the fundamental language of creation. And if you know that language and know what each uh, geometry and form can do, because they all have personality and, and uh, purpose, um, I have no doubt that they can use it to even melt stone or turn stone into sand or take water out of rocks or to levitate things. Uh, I have no doubt that that's possible with that type of uh, knowledge. As you're talking, little thoughts come to mind, almost like connecting dots, like Eureka moments. What you just said about Egypt and perhaps sound, you've seen these videos on the internet where they use sound with sand and depending on the hurts you see these the sacred geometry you see the triangles you see you know everything and i wonder if at a larger scale they used that back then and what we see as these blocks of stone was actually being used at a machine that vibrated to a point where it just created all that and merged it all together the sand um <laughs> Now, I don't remember who did this experiment or who did this, but I remember reading somewhere that um, they were studying the blocks um, right down to a molecular level. And um, this professor came to the conclusion that these blocks were somehow uh, put together like cement. But they, they don't know how and that process has probably been lost and if you're familiar with uh the bosnian pyramids certainly um because i actually samos managish yeah i actually uh, got to hold uh, a core drilling from one of those stones and they as well used a process like cement to to get those blocks to where they were and that, that cement, and, you know, it's just off the top of my head, so I'm not sure how accurate I am, but I think they said it was about 10 times the strength of what our hardest cement is today. So it's, it's just lost technology that we have no idea how they can merge um, that stone together. And in my mind, it connects the dots to... Um, his name is uh, John Hutchinson from sure. I think he's BC. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he was using um, basically uh, different frequency wavelengths, um, different hertz and different um, static and Tesla waves. And um, he was basically turning metal into sand. That's right. And merging um, two different things together. And I'm thinking if you could do that, why can't, you know, why? I'm sure we have this technology. Well, he speculates that a directed energy weapon was used on 9-11, which is what dustified those steel towers. Yeah. 
So who knows? Well, you know, um, I watched that documentary. I think her name was Dr. Judy Wood. Yes. And when you see a steel beam, a massive steel beam just standing there in the background, and then suddenly it just blows away with the wind, there is something wrong with that picture. But look at the lack of material that was on the ground. Firemen that were coming out from the basement saying, wait a second, this looks like a football field. Where's the rest? And of course, we're told that uh, the steel was going to ship to China. But I don't want to get, uh, we could do an entire interview about that. Well, I'll just tell you that I've seen something similar in my outer body experiences to other worlds. And I was in this one world, I don't know where, where it was, but it was just a massive city. Like um, I would put this city at maybe 50 to 100 years in our future, what cities would look like, like absolute mega cities. And I w- it was at nighttime and I was standing, um, I would guess on like some type of porch and I was viewing this huge city. And there was a UFO in the sky, but this UFO was so massive that you could not see the edges of this UFO. It covered the entire city skyline. And in the the center of this UFO was some type of energy weapon. And wherever it moved over the city, it just turned the city to its basic elements, almost like dust. And it sucked it up into the ship like a vacuum. It was almost like the ship was just basically erasing a city. So when I saw that, I'm thinking, you know, there's some technology out there that is so advanced that we have no idea um, what kind of weaponry um, is possible. And who knows how old this technology could be. If, if, and this is something that we're going to discuss later, but... When when I look at Egypt and other places around the world, uh, Balpik and Lebanon and other places in South America, when I see those megalithic structures, I think the technology that they had was so advanced that we can't even, even with today's computer power, we can't even replicate it. Look at the walls of Jericho. What what technology did they have in order to do that? So we think, oh, this is technology from the future because our government, you know, is so ahead in time. What if they have been able to tap into technology that is not a hundred or a thousand, but millions of years old? I I don't doubt it, and I think that um, I think that there has been beings in our past, uh, could be millions of years ago. Um, that basically learned how to turn a planet into a spaceship. And they can basically just move the planet's orbit or move the planet through space, and that's how they can travel. So I'm so, speculating that the moon is is exactly what you're saying. Yes. yeah, And, you know, there's very ancient stories, um, even from Egypt, where um, they say that there was a huge uh, cataclysm on this planet where a comet... Um, basically um, hit Earth, and it was such a devastating impact that part of the Earth's surface um, was plunged into space, and uh, that's what created the moon. And that's a that's a story that's it's probably one of the oldest stories we have in history. So that's that's one version of it. But I've heard that um, not only is the moon artificial. But many of the planets and moons in our solar system have been um, basically engineered and placed in orbits. That's right. We'll look at Mars, uh, look at Jupiter, Saturn, and so on. Now, what is the connection between Qigong and Egyptian postures, if any, and how is this relevant to your story? Well, when I first... um, started to go through this process of, I guess we can call it awakening into other worlds. Um, once they stopped taking me into the future uh, and just scaring me, <laughs> that's basically what they were doing. Um, once they stopped doing that, um, different beings started to come to me after that, and they started to actually communicate with me. And 
again, I couldn't see them. I just saw their outlines, um, but I can hear them speak to me. And the way that they spoke to me is through telepathy. And sometimes it's in their voice, which is very strange. And sometimes it's in your own voice, which is even stranger. It's almost like you ask a question and then your voice answers you in your mind. And basically what they started to communicate to me was um, before I could do anything more um, with my new abilities, um, I had to heal myself. So this was the most important message that they gave me at the time was, I need to heal myself. And I couldn't understand um, what that meant. Like, am I dying? Am I sick? Uh, I think I was dying. I think I was sick um, at the time. So I took their advice and I went to see some doctors. And again, they took my blood, took tests, x-rayed me, scanned me, everything they could think of. And they came back to me and said to me that um, I was actually quite a healthy person. They couldn't find anything wrong with me, um, which was very strange because at that time, I think I weighed about 150 pounds and I wasn't sleeping at night. And you're 6'5", right? I'm 6'5", right? So if you can think of what that looks like, and maybe one day I'll, I'll release a picture of what that looks like, but it's not pretty. Uh, you can literally see the bones in my arms. You can see the bones in my body. Um, I, I was not in a good place. Um, so for doctors to tell me that I'm very healthy, it's almost like a joke. Like, how, how is this possible? Um, so I knew that my answer for healing was not in um, what we would call allopathic medicine. So I kept asking, what do I have to do to heal? And I finally got the answer. Um, you need to learn and do Qigong. And this was like a message directly from these beings. I needed to learn Qigong. And lucky for me, I actually had a cousin who was practicing Qigong. And um, I started to take classes with them. And I learned a traditional style of Qigong called Qi Lao. And I practiced that basically every single day. And, um, you know, I'm having crazy experiences out of my body at nighttime. But when I come back to my body um, during the daytime, I have no abilities whatsoever. I'm completely numb to everything. I guess everybody's at that state of numbness, I would say. But it took about a year of practicing Qigong until something happened. And what happened was is that I can start to feel energy around my hands and in my hands, where if I tried to put my hands together, it would be like two magnetic fields pushing each other. And this feeling started to spread through my body until I could feel the meridians and the acupuncture points. And I can start to feel my energy fields around me and in my environment. So doing Qigong really opened me up to feeling energy and experiencing the energy world while I was awake in a physical body, which was mind-blowing for me. But how this connects to Egypt is that as I was practicing Qigong, um, I was introduced to something called the pharaoh cylinders. And there are two rods that you hold. And as you hold them, um, they're supposed to balance or amplify your energy. Don't tell but me they're I, made of copper and zinc. No. Okay. No. Uh, the ones that I used, they were made out of uh, shungite and soapstone. Okay. And um, I, I purchased a set of these. And when I held them, I started to feel a huge amount of energy in my body. It was started. It was almost like a fire was lit in my stomach when I was holding these. And for me, that's a very powerful sign that it's actually doing something. So I bought these things and I just started to play with them at home. And I wasn't really doing much with them. I was just holding them. And I started to get pain in my body. And from you know, different shamanic teachings, I know that pain is associated to blocks and you're supposed to push them out of the body. And what these rods were doing was exposing these blocks in my body. So what I was doing was I was just moving the rods around 
I was just playing with them until I felt it hit the pain in my body. And once it hit the pain in my body, I would just stop my posture and hold the posture. And that pain would get stronger and stronger and stronger. And then it would just crack. And I'd feel the pain actually come out of my body and go into the earth. And then once that occurred, there's no more pain in the body. So this started to happen to me, and I would practice this every single day with these rods. And then this is when Toth started to come to me. This is when I started to get connected to this Egyptian energy. And I was basically taken back to Egypt at night, and I just... I just show up in a temple. It's like I go to sleep and then suddenly I'm in a temple in Egypt. At the time. At the time, yeah. And there would be a pharaoh or some Egyptian-looking person with a, you know, one of those crowns on their heads, a very big hat. And they would just be standing in front of me and they would be in a posture. And there was no communication. They were just looking right at me standing in a posture And I would stand in front of them and I would just copy whatever they're doing. So if they're standing in a particular posture, I'll be standing in that posture. And when I did that, it felt like this, um, it felt like this thing opened up above my head. It's the only way I could describe it. This thing opened up above my head and it felt like a waterfall of warm electric energy. Uh, It's like every cell was vibrating. It was like a waterfall of this warm energy going through my body it was very pleasant but it was very intense it was it was a very intense feeling and i would wake up in my bedroom um, from these journeys and i'd still be in that posture and i would still feel that energy going through my body and then once i disconnect from that posture the energy shuts off and i'm back to normal so i thought oh my god this is this is some pretty serious information that they're showing me and extremely powerful. Um, so I would actually started to document all these postures that they were teaching me uh, from these, I guess, past life experiences that I was reliving. And um, I basically compiled all of them and I took them to uh, my cousin who is actually a Qigong instructor and uh, a psychic channeler. And I presented it to her and I told her what was happening to me. And right away she was saying, you know, this goes with this one. You have to do this one first and this one second. Like she started to arrange them all together into a system. And I, it just blew me away. And I started to practice that system, that connection from point A to point B that she laid out for me. And the most amazing things were happening in my life. Um, energetically, uh, things were opening up. Um, the strangest thing started to happen where, you know, I'd be practicing these Egyptian postures and I would hear like cracks and pops in my body and I'd feel my organs moving in my body. <laughs> it's like it was rewiring me at every level and uh, even my organs were moving into different places. I could physically feel it happening. Like a recalibration. Yes. Um, and, you know, you may not know this about me. Um, like I'm talking to you normally right now, but in high school or even elementary school and high school, um, I was very dyslexic. I couldn't read or write. Um, well, you I could stutter too, right? I had a terrible stutter and I would repeat words three, four times. Um, so, um, I don't know what was going on with my brain back then, but something was wired wrong. Something wasn't right. And when I started to practice the Qigong, all those things that made me who I was in the past, the dyslexia, the stuttering, the, um, you know, unable to eat food, you know, I had IBS and all these stomach problems, all of that stuff fell away once I started to practice this. Yes. And think about it, like my biggest fear in life. Public speaking. Yeah, to talk to people. That's my biggest fear in life. 
Now I'm traveling the whole world and my job is talking to people. I, would have, <laughs> I almost said you would have, you could have fooled me. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm like my own personal testimonial where it's like when I started to do this work, what I was being taught from the other side, suddenly everything changed in my life. I became a, a different person and I still practice it um, to this day and I still teach it to this day because, um, you know, a lot of people hear my story and they want help. They want to get to where I am or, or heal a certain thing that they're carrying, uh, either mental, spiritual, emotional, or even physical. And they keep asking me, well, you know, can you help me? And the only answer I have for them is learn Qigong. You know, learn this system. Take the power of healing into your own hands. Um, because if you practice and do these things, you're going to have um, transformation on all these different levels. And it didn't happen for me overnight. Um, I did this for years. And it's just a very slow progress. But the progress is undeniable. Many of our listeners practice that modality and they have been, I've did it a few times and I'm more compelled than that after talking to you. But we have to take a one on all the intermission to go to the member section, but I have to ask you this and we'll get the answer on the other side. Back in 2007, I believe, you had somebody tell you, quote, what if I told you that the voices and visions in your mind are not yours? You know, when you're trying to go to sleep and your mind just keeps going on, going on and on. What if you found out those thoughts are not even yours? They're not even your own thoughts, unquote. I'd like to know who told you this and does this mean our physical bodies are someone's avatar? How can people buy the book Forbidden Knowledge? And I believe you have written other books, have you? Yes, um, you know, you can go on Amazon.com and just type in my name, which is Jason Quit, and you'll get the book um, Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler. I also have uh, the Egyptian Postures system on there, um, the first level, which is Salute to the Sun, and the second level, which is Salute to the Moon. And um, if you want the DVDs for that, you'd have to purchase them off my website because Amazon does not bundle uh, DVDs with books. <laughs> But um, I've also released a book called The Yosef Codes, uh, which touches on uh, sacred, ge sacred geometry and healing mandalas, which uh, we actually touched upon a little on at the beginning of this show. Excellent. Well, I really enjoy the book. Hopefully people can read it. Folks, don't go anywhere. We have so much more to discuss. I have more than half the notes still to go and more holes to, to uncover and doors to open. I'm here with my special guest, Jason Quitt. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thanks for listening to part one of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest, head on over to the member section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. You don't want to miss the rest. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store where you can find great products like pure organic sulfur, rebounders, turmeric, and other great supplements. Thank you.